All right, it's time for Mac Geek Gab, and listener Barry brings us our cool stuff found of the week. (laughs) And what is that, you ask? If you've been doing the internet for a while, you'll know what that is. But if you want to learn details about what those noises are, then uh, Barry sent us this uh, article that visually explains it and tells you what all those weird sounds mean. So if you want to learn what it was like for doing the Internet back in BBS Day, then check out this article. And we're going to get more cool stuff found like this, plus your questions answered today on MacGeekab977. For Monday, April 17th, 2023. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your cool stuff found like that. We share it. You send in your quick tips. We sometimes share those, although I don't think we have any in the agenda today because we've got so much cool stuff found. You also send in your questions and we try to answer those. Sometimes we even have questions of our own. We put it all together into an agenda. The goal being that every single one of us, even those of us hosts here, every one of us, perhaps especially those of us hosts here, learn at least five new things every single week when we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. That's where you can go to try Notion AI for free. Very cool thing. Also, BB Edit from Barebones Software, my favorite way to edit text. It's an app that's always open. We'll talk more in depth about each of those a little bit later here in the show. For now, here in uh, balmy Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in equally balmy Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Brown. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, where everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. It's pilot Pete. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta start doing something about the weather, Pete. That's right. By golly. <laughs> you know what? Maybe we can do that at our hangout, which is coming up on Sunday, April twenty third at four PM Eastern time. Uh the there's been some discussion in our Discord channel about what to discuss at this hangout. And I think what we're gonna do is share our and and collaborate on our various use cases uh, and failures and successes using all the various AI engines uh, that are out there because I think that's a great collaborative conversation to have uh, in in a group setting where it's just sort of okay. a hangout, show up with your favorite beverage, just hang with us for an hour or so. Uh, there is the, it, the all the details are on the calendar at macgeekup.com slash calendar. Uh, they're also in our Discord channel. I'll put a link to that right here in the show notes, but you can go to MacGeekUp.com slash Discord, and that'll get you started as well. So, uh, And that's where the password for the Zoom meeting will be, because I, I can't put that out like on social media. We've learned that, we learned that the hard way. Uh, yeah. We get lots of special friends coming in. We had lots. Of, the, my favorite one, and I use the term favorite very loosely here, but like my favorite from a I want to cause problems standpoint is the uh, the people that would show up 
before I had the security settings locked down the right way, obviously, uh, they taught me. So we got caught. We learned. We moved on. Tuition. Uh, but what they would do is they would log in and change their name to the name of someone that's currently there. And then they would post something massively offensive, like, you know, super offensive, uh, maybe a picture, try to share their screen with, with even worse images or like say something in the chat that was like, you know, offensively racist or whatever. They did a bad, bad thing. They, yeah, they do a bad <laughs> thing. And then they would quickly change their name. So that part's not cool. But then they would quickly change their name to someone else. So that we would then go and ban a legitimate member of the chat because we thought that suddenly somebody that we'd known for a decade kind of went off the deep end and was like, yeah, this is super inappropriate to do here. So we got to yeah, cut that out. Pete, knock it off. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to say anything, Pete. But, uh, but like I, I like so I respect the. Uh, the, like the, the, the thinking the behind ingenuity. That. the yeah. ingenuity. Yeah. I mean, it like we like to use our powers for good for the most part and not just like script kitties and, and doing the thing that I'm sure they didn't come up with. I, like someone came up with that. I'm sure whoever was in our chat doing it was just doing it because they read about it somewhere else. So they heard about it on a podcast like. Like this one. Maybe Whoa. we can share just, better things. <laughs> you uh, just gave a bunch of people some bad ideas. <laughs> I really did. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm going to jump us back into Cool Stuff Found. There we go. Listener Gary had sent in, uh, actually a lot of you have sent this in, the, uh, the new Steve Jobs book, Make Something Wonderful. It's available as an ebook on Apple Books. You can also download it. Uh, we'll put links in the show notes for all of it. But it, what it is, is it's a collection of Steve things that Steve said or wrote throughout his life. And like some of this stuff is just absolutely fantastic. And uh, and there's just so many great little just just hearing his words. And, and there's a nice forward by by uh, Lorene Powell jobs, obviously his, his, his widow and just some, some fantastic stuff. So uh, it like it, it, one of the things that I read in there this morning was how uh, he, it, when he was in school, he and his like friend in school would, would do things like that, but they actually came up with it. They, there were like, a, there was a bike rack, of a hundred different uh, bicycles, you know, like at, it's this elementary school or whatever. The kids would ride their bikes to school one by one. He and his friend went through and traded lock, uh, bike lock combinations with all the other people that locked their bikes up. Right. So it'd be like, hey, uh, if you tell me your combination, I'll tell you mine. And so they did. And like they, they were honest about it. But people didn't know that these two guys, Steve and his friend, were collecting everyone's bike lock combinations and once they had everyone's they went down and changed locks for everyone's bikes uh because they had all the combinations and it took people he said people were there till like 10 p.m trying to like unravel this mess that they had created um that the principal then uh split the two of them into different classes oh, going forward but uh, man that but, reminds me of a famous boot camp story dave uh-oh. Is it one that yeah. we can share here? Yeah, Pete? absolutely. Okay. So yeah, but yeah, so what the what the DIs would do is they'd go through and they would find the, the guys would be in a hurry, right? You get out, get out now, go, yeah, go, yeah. go, get on the street. And they'd go out and they'd leave their wall locker and or their foot locker unlocked. 
And so the DIs would then go through and find 10 or 12 unlocked padlocks. And they would take them and they would lock them all together. And then when the troops came back from Chow, they'd go, you have two minutes to get your lock undone or we're going to PT you, you know. So, they, of course, you know, one guy would get his lock undone and then they'd PT him for 30 minutes. And then they'd go, okay, you have two minutes to get your lock undone. Then they'd PT him again. So it, it was a way to PT the guys for, you know, three, four hours. PT? What is this? P- I'm sorry, physical training. Push physical up, training. Sit up, Push squats, up. bends and thrusts. Uh, basically it. run you into the dirt. <laughs> See, I learned a new thing, right? I, yeah. I now know that PT is uh, physical training. See? There you go. There yeah. you go. Have you read any of uh, Make Something Wonderful, John? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, I haven't yet either, but it, it looks really good. Yeah, I, I woke up super early this morning. I don't know why, and it was like, crap, like, I don't, I just don't want to be awake yet. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, it's like, it's just how it was. I woke up at like quarter to seven, which for me is, is you know, yeah. that's still the middle of the night. But uh, I wonder if it's audiobook. That's when I get a lot of my reading done. It, I mean, the only way you would want to hear this is if Steve was reading it. And oh, unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case. However, there is that AI engine that people yeah. have used to make Steve say things like it. It's, 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 yeah. I don't think it's the, the engine that I've seen was just taking like sort of samples and, and stitching them to, together. But, but there are AI engines out there that, that uh, will learn the inflections of, of a voice and then just, you know, push them out. So yeah, in fact, again, I, I was going to say there was, there was one, and I don't know, now I don't remember which one it was, so I'll have to go look for it. But sure. it would learn your own voice so that you could go through with with your podcast and go, oh, the sound screwed up there. So I want to go back and, and, and have it. And you type out what you want it to say and throw it in there, and it would oh, put it yeah. right in. You didn't have to say it or re-record it or anything. It, it yeah. It your voice. Yeah, yeah. V- Veritone, who does a lot of things, one of which is they're a, a podcast ad, like a uh, buying agency, but they, you know, they've done... Yeah. Tons and tons of things. Uh, they demoed last year. They demoed for me an engine. I can't remember the name of it. it begins with an M that would do that. They, they had some stock voices in it. Anyway, the, yeah. the name's on the tip of my tongue, but it had some stock voices in it. And, but they also for like five grand or something would sample your voice so that you could do it. And they're like, Hey, you know, you want to do this for like ad reads that way it's you doing it. But all you got to do is type out the script and then if you've got the same sponsor on for four shows and you're supposed to create a new script for each show, well, you don't have to go and re-record and do it. You just it like, flawlessly ch- reads it. It doesn't mispronounce. Correct. There's no editing to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because because that's how how I do. I I pre-record. It's actually me. It's not Veritone's engine, but I, I pre-record all the ads. Uh, obviously they're they're built to sound like they're just in the flow of the show, and we do in fact play them into the flow of the show. But I pre-record them so that I don't screw them up, and so I don't stumble over, all over myself, just like I did there. Uh, right. There's not, there's no ums and ahs. Now, I when I record them, there's plenty of that in there. I chop that out so that the ad reads are tight, and and it really so it gives me the opportunity to sit and read the uh, like the talking points, the the background information before I do the read. Doing that live in the middle of a show while we're reading your questions and all that. I don't have 30 to 45 seconds of silence to read the thing. And be like, okay, now I know what I want to say and then say it. That would be super awkward uh, trying to do that in the show. So, so anyway, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating text. So we'll talk about all kinds of stuff like this uh, on our hangout on Sunday, the 23rd.
So I think it is the 23rd. I think that's the right date. But it's whatever the Sunday is after the 17th. Uh, so would that be the 23rd? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, 7 to Monday. 6, 23. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's how I did the same math. 7 to 6, 7. Yeah. There you go. All right. Moving on. More cool stuff found. We, we swear every one of them is not going to take seven minutes. <laughs> J.I. Touch. J.I. Touch? Something like that. Jam Cycler in our Discord said, uh, you recently mentioned Smart Scroll, and uh, that reminded me of J.I. Touch, which adds lots of extra gestures to the trackpad and magic mouse. Uh, and you get it at GitHub. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, there is a website for it, but the version on the website for J.I. Touch is older than the, the current version, which is available on, on GitHub. So we'll make sure. But uh, he said uh, he said it's, you know, a multi-touch extension, essentially, for the, uh, you know, the, the Magic Mouse, Magic Trackpad. And if your MacBook has, a, a, you know, a trackpad on it, that's also the same kind of thing. So thanks for sharing that with us. We appreciate it. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pete, you got one, don't you? I do. Um, you know, it's often been said that England and the United States are two countries separated by a common language. Mm. And uh, the folks at Time Kettle have actually uh, brought that technology to the rest of the world. So I have, I'm holding up on the video and it's it's difficult to see. They're about the size of the AirPods Pro case. Okay. And they're little, they're little earbuds that are translators. They support up to 40 different languages, and it comes with an iOS app or an Android app, depending on your system. And, of course, all of our folks are iOS users. We know. But uh, <laughs> Now, there's some, take, there's some. Believe you, it or not, there's some listeners there, who use, uh, use Android. There are. Yeah. We're, we'll, we'll educate them and get their minds right eventually. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sorry. Just being pejorative because I can. So, anyway, uh, you, you put these uh, earbuds in, and there's, there's several different modes. Uh, you can put both of them in and put your uh, phone into the listen mode, and I can watch movies in a foreign language or listen to a brief or something along those lines. It's virtually instantaneous. It, it's maybe a second behind, but it's close enough to actually get it. Um, I watched some like it hot in Spanish the other day just to see how it would do. And it did really fantastically. Really? Um, yeah. Really? I, I, like yes. it, it was it was fast enough that it wasn't distracting? It, it was within, yes, it was within a second. I mean, oh. a little distracting, but if you want to see it, what's going on, it, it was close enough that, wow. that it was good. Yeah. The other option uh, that you can do is you can put one bud in your ear and hand one to somebody else and they put it in their ear and then you just tap your ear and then you speak. And then stop speaking, and then it translates virtually instantaneously into their ear. Then they tap their ear and speak in their native language, and it translates back to you. That's really cool. So you can you can share that way. And then the other option is that you can wear one or both, and then put it in into a speaker mode, so that you tap your your earbud and speak in English, and then whichever language you have set up to go into, it translates it both in writing and then comes out the speaker of your phone in in their language so they can hear and read it both. 
And then you just tap the phone and they speak in their language and it comes back to you in English. I'm assuming that that's your language. Right. right. Yeah. It comes back to, to you yeah. in English. Right. Yeah. 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 So, and there's uh, it supports up to 40 different languages. And the cool thing is it is, you know, you can say, Hey, I want Chinese to German. I want Spanish to Italian, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, but you download these language packs and put them on your phone. And those are a little extra. Uh, but the beautiful thing about that is, is you no longer need internet connectivity. So you don't have to use your oh, data yeah, when right. traveling in China and Korea and Japan and Europe uh, to get your to get your translations done. So, so how does this compare? Because when I was in Italy most recently, I was using Apple Translate and, and Google Translate. And, and they do have like a conversation mode in the app. Right. Right. Where you can put the phone down between you and it'll listen and 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 sort of do some version of of this. Have you like have you spent enough time with either of those things to compare or contrast it? To, I used the this? Google one in the okay. past and, and I found it to be close, but not quite as efficient. As Got these. it. These are really fast um, and it, it, it uses some AI engine and I don't know what it is, which sure. AI engine it uses, but it sure. does use an AI engine to. To translate, and I, I got to tell you, I mean, I really love these things. They are—they're uh, not cheap. They're three hundred and fifty dollars, but okay. uh, but boy, if you uh, if you do any amount of international travel, let's see if I can get it without a reflection there. That uh, yeah, I mean, it looks um, like a—it looks actually yeah. looks like a smaller yeah. version of an AirPods Pro case. It looks exactly you know a little yeah. Yeah, so so perfectly but, uh, portable. Yeah, yeah, they they are, and they, and the the charge lasts a really long time. I I don't have an exact huh. number for you, but the the fact is they, they you know they charge well. They they go back in the case. They charge sure. back up again. So you've got you've got days and days before you have to recharge. Amazing. And yeah, and if you do any amount of international travel, these things are super handy. And what I just found out in reading about, I haven't tried yet, is they will work as Bluetooth earphones to listen to music and podcasts and that sort of thing as well, which I had not tried with yeah, yeah. those yet. I assumed that they were just for translation. Right. But no, you can take them out and use them as your as your earphones. Huh. Um, Time Kettle's the name of the company. Sorry about the tick there. Time Kettle. And these are the WT2 Edge earpod. I keep calling them AirPods. Sorry. The WT2 Edge Earbuds Translators. Okay. Or Translator Earbuds. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so, we got a link in the show notes. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's great. Absolutely love them. So thanks to the folks at Time Kettle for uh, for giving me this set to uh, work with. If, if you want them back, got to find me. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is I'll it doesn't matter back. what language they talk in. They know that's you can understand them, Pete. That's right. That's right. So if they want them back, I'm, I'll give them back to them, but not gladly. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so these are good, good, good product. So, yeah. So and I, cool. and I think you had me set up for a second one there too. I, yeah, right? but we'll do that later. Uh, okay. Because I right. mentioned in, when I was talking about Ben's, uh, J.I. Touch, I mentioned Smart Scroll, and uh, that was because Ben had seen it mentioned in the uh, Discord chat. But uh, indeed, listener Sarab mentioned it, a, a utility called Smart Scroll that lets you customize a bunch of scrolling behavior. Most notably, it lets you hold down a modifier key while scrolling on your Mac to scroll much faster. He says, this is a game changer for me since I spend a lot of time scrolling through long documents and long websites. So thank you for that. We, of course, there's links to all of the cool stuff found in uh, in the show notes. So yeah, thanks thanks for that, Sarab. John, you got another one for us with uh, what listener John? 
Yeah, no, this uh, sounds cool. Um, so listener John says, this afternoon I got a bundle hunt ad. Never heard of bundle hunt. Um, one of the items in the bundle is Do Your Clone for Mac. It is an app that clones and makes bootable an external drive for the Mac. Just like five years ago. <laughs> huh. It works perfectly. Um it cloned my uh, OS and all my apps, data, everything, and is fully bootable in Mac Ventura 13.3. Wow. Uh, it will also clone drives, create disk images, and has a disk tool. It is good. Huh. Huh. That's interesting. I, I, I mean, I'm guessing that the way they would do it is um, you would have to install ventura clean and then clone one drive over to the data volume of the new install because i mean that's the process by which we can we can clone a a, a drive these days right because you're, you're not I, like the, i don't think there's any way to actually clone the system volume i think you have to create that fresh from the installer but again i mean a, a utility that that lets you do this I, like that automates this process for us that might be something i'll talk in a little while about this but that might be something that i'm wondering why why would they do this certainly apple's support calls have gone up since they got rid of the ability to make a bootable clone i don't think so no no i mean how many well as evidenced i I was going to ask how many people would make bootable clones our group here lots of hands in the air i i get it like same i absolutely would (laughs) But in general, I think okay. it's it's a thing. Fair enough. Yeah, my wife would never do it. You know, she just turns it on and runs it and wouldn't even back up her computer if I didn't do it for her. Right. Well, and I, that's where I was going to go with this is Time Machine is now it's still in Ventura, but it's buried. It doesn't get its own preference pane anymore. Oh. Right. It's buried inside of like general or something, which is like, yeah. mm, guys, you know, but but. My guess is based on Apple's metrics that, uh, you know, that's, that's how, that's how it's going to be. Oh, Hey, that means I get to tell you about our sponsor notion AI. Look, we've been talking a lot on this show about AI and notion is actually the reason they were the ones who catalyzed this discussion for us here on the show, but maybe you're not yet sure how AI fits into your daily life or workflow. And, Our sponsor, Notion, has just launched this new incredible tool, Notion AI, and it's fully integrated into Notion. So it has the context of everything you're already working on. That's what we've been talking about here, right? It's super important to be able to use AI in a way and with a language model that fits with what you need to get out of it. And when it can see your content, well, That makes it so much better. And that's what Notion AI is doing. It helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. And this is because you can leverage the power of AI right inside of Notion across all of your notes and docs without the need to jump between your work and a separate AI-powered tool. Right? Notion AI is designed to help you with your work right in the place where you're doing your work. And that means it gets to leverage all of the work that you do to make the content fit 
It's amazing. For a limited time, you can try Notion AI for free when you go to notion.com slash MacGeekGab. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash MacGeekGab to try out the incredible power of Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show, right? This is a limited time offer. Try Notion AI for free right now at notion.com slash MacGeekGab. And our thanks to Notion for sponsoring this episode. Next up is BB Edit from Bare Bones. I love BB Edit. It's open right now on my Mac. It's actually part of my start my day script that automatically launches the apps that I need. And BB Edit is always one of them because it does so much. I know it's crazy to say that I'm excited about a tool that manages text, especially in a world where for decades everything's a graphic. But that's not really true, right? Those graphics happen because there's text underneath all our preference panes and all that stuff are really ways of manipulating text files. And sometimes you just got to get into those text files more times than not. In fact, we're always talking about using text to troubleshoot right here on the show. And what better way to do that than with BB edit when you've got the ability to really see a text file for what it is. Life gets so much better. And there's all kinds of things we can do with text, not just troubleshooting, right? If you're a programmer, you're going to be using some sort of text editor. Well, BB Edit makes it so easy to edit code because it shows you your code and highlights things in a way on the screen that really makes it easier for me to see like where I am in a function or what is a variable versus what's a function. And it's subtle, but man, trust me, it makes a difference. Plus, if I need to count the words in a document or compare two documents, BB Edit's right there for me. You've got to go check it out. Go to barebones.com. They've got a generous eval model. You get 30 days of full function to try out the app. Once you're finished with the eval, then you decide to buy, or you can maybe even continue using the free features, but try it out. That way you'll know. Go to barebones.com and our thanks to Barebones and BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. And while we're here, listen, another show for you, right? From Macs, iPhones, iPads, Apple Watches, and Apple TV to the ins and outs of Apple shaking things up in tech, you name it, the Mac Break Weekly Podcast covers it. Join Leo Laporte with Jason Snell, Andy Anatko, and Alex Lindsay on the Mac break weekly podcast sometimes i'm even on there they dive into new products future innovations and everything apple related get a new episode of mac break weekly every tuesday by subscribing on apple Podcasts, spotify pocket cast or wherever you listen to podcasts and our thanks to leo and the team for doing this swap with us all right so john you were talking about uh cloning our macs i wish that i had kept a clone of my monterey mac around i've uh, made no secret of the audio issues that I have discovered in Ventura on this show, because it's usually while recording this show that they present themselves. The, the issues that I've seen are, are, are twofold. The main one is that when using an aggregate audio device, uh, any time a new audio quote, unquote, I'll call it a connection, but anytime a new app uh, opens up a connection to core audio to play audio or to get ready to play audio, there is a pause. Um, and the pause, it stops everything. And then the CPU spikes for like, I don't know, anywhere between one and three seconds while core audio sort of like figures itself out again. And then everything's fine. Uh, obviously that's really bad when, you know, you're 
doing a podcast. Uh, it, this only seems to only happen when using aggregate audio devices. Aggregates are, it's an Apple function. It's not some third party thing where you can take multiple audio devices and sort of merge them together, aggregate them together as one. And the reason you need to do this is because Apple's logic app, like many other audio apps will only see one input audio device and one output audio device. So if you have multiple devices that logic needs to see, then you have to aggregate them. And in fact, that's Apple's instruction. It's like, yeah, don't be, you'll just aggregate them. Well, something changed when I upgraded to Ventura and that symptom started happening. The other symptom is that logic is less stable. And so I have to increase the sample buffer from 128 to 256 to get logic to be stable, but that doesn't change this, this issue. Uh, and I've bumped the sample buffer all the way up and it still doesn't change this issue. They're sort of related, but, but separate. And so last Friday, guys, I did what this is one of those do as I say, not as I do scenarios. I rolled my Mac back from Ventura to Monterey. Uh, and that's what I'm running on right now. So like we're in good shape here, at least so far. I've recorded actually quite a few podcasts since uh, since doing this and it's been fine. But um, you're not supposed to do that, right? Like it's not going to let you do that. If you point migration assistant at a uh, you know, if you point Monterey's migration assistant with at a Ventura volume, it'll say, I don't understand that volume. That's too new for me, which is exactly what it should say. I didn't want to go through the trouble of like setting up an entirely new system just to confirm that Monterey was going to solve my problem. So I tried something and I, I made a clone of my data volume right? Like with carbon copy cloner from, from Ventura and tried pointing a Monterey uh, migration assistant at it. And it was like, no. And I was like, yeah, I know. Okay. Let's try though. What happens if I tell Monterey to install onto that volume? Right. And uh, no, it wouldn't do that. So then I installed Monterey and then I, oh, maybe it, yeah, it failed, but it did install it like it installed Monterey uh, onto the system volume of that Ventura data clone volume because it didn't have a Ventura system volume because we can't do that unless we use do your clone. Right. But I used carbon copy cloner, which doesn't do that. So I had this clone of my Ventura data volume and no accompanying system volume because that's how those clones work. And so I created one with the Monterey installer. And it started to reboot. And I'm like, oh, I did it. I'm going to make it work. It's going to be fine. No, no. It crashed on reboot every time. And I tried like safe mode and verbose mode and yada, yada, yada. It was like super not happy for obvious reasons. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll get a fresh volume. So I grabbed another drive, plugged it in. I did the a fresh install. And then migration assistant came up and it was like, where do you want to pull data from? And I'm like, well, I want to pull it from my Ventura volume. And it was like, no, you can't do that. And then I pointed it at this Frankenstein that I had created that failed at booting. And it was like, yes, I can migrate from that because I see a Ventura system over there. It wasn't looking any deeper than that. That was enough to make it happily migrate 
the data volume. Hold on. I'm yeah. sorry. I've got to break in. So Absol- you, no, I was hoping you would. Yeah. So you said, I see a Ventura system. You meant to say, I see a Monterey system over there? It sees a Monterey system, with, but, but there is a Ventura data volume, right? Like, so, yeah. right? But, but because Monterey's migration assistant saw the failed installation yeah. of another Monterey associated with that data volume, I mean, I had, I had yeah. sandwiched these things together. Then that was the only test it needed to do. It didn't actually look at the data volume. It just looked at the system volume and said, Monterey is there. I'm good to go. Gotcha. Okay. Because you said I see a Ventura system. Thank you for correcting Yeah. Okay. Me. Good. All right. Because yep. uh, that, that, I was following you right until yeah. you said that. And I'm like, oh, thank you. No, I'm, I'm confused. I, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I let it do it. And it was like, okay, this is going to take, you know, a couple hours or whatever. And, and the whole time I'm thinking, well, what's going to happen, right? It booted up. It was fine. Now, beautiful. N- wait, I, not quite. This is like, it's not great. It's, it's, it's like, there are things that I, there were things that I knew would be broken photos. I knew would be broken because like that app updates its library with Ventura. And I now have a Ventura photos library. Monterey's photos ain't going to read that. And it confirmed for me. It ain't going to read that. Right. So I had to create a new photos. That's fine. I use iCloud photos. I don't really need photos on this machine for this purpose anyway. So no big deal. But I let it create a new photos library. I also knew music would have the same exact issue for the same reasons. But but similarly, I use iCloud music. So no big deal. Let it create a new music library. It did that. No problem. Great. I also knew mail was going to be a problem. But mail doesn't have the same sort of here's an easy way to start over with your existing accounts functionality like photos and music do because I don't know why, because, but they just, it doesn't like, they don't expect you to be in this scenario. Uh, understandably, like I, I, I get it. So mail took a little bit of, and when I say a little bit, I mean a couple of days of like jerking around with it, deleting. Cause I had to delete like the V 10 folders in, in the home mail library, but then there were other things. There's something in home library containers that like, again, this is, this is do as I say, which is don't do this. Not as I do, but it, it, it was usable. And even without mail photos, music working, I was still able to do a test. The other thing that still doesn't work and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to fix it is iCloud drive will not sync. Like, like there's there's something and I just don't know where to look to blow That's probably a good thing though, right? Well you don't want bad data going data going up there. I mean it's just iCloud Drive, it's just documents and stuff. Like that would be Mm -hmm. fine. And I would like settings and stuff to sync around. So like this is a non optimal scenario for the long term that I'm in. But even with all of that, before I ever tried getting photos happy, mail happy, uh, music happy, any of that. The first thing I did was launch up the podcasting setup and see if the problem still exists, because if it does, then I know that it's something else, right? Because I literally have the same data volume. So it's the best way to test this, despite being an awful thing to actually try to live with. Uh, And the problem was instantly gone instantly. So I know that the problem is with Ventura. Now, I have had a support ticket open with Apple for about three months, maybe four. And they replied once and were like, hey, uh, do some of these sample tests or whatever so we can see what's going on. This doesn't make any sense. I'm like, sure, I did. So I did that. And then nothing. I Also, while I was doing this on Friday, I posted about it. 
And it turns out when you have some friends who are Apple engineers who follow you on social media and you start saying things like Ventura broke core audio, uh, they don't actually I was more specific about it. I said Ventura broke aggregate devices in core audio. Um, they take that to heart. And so I started hearing again from Apple support, which is great. I, like this is good. And they told me that a delay of between 0.2 and 0.5 seconds when a new audio device is added or a new audio connection is opened is normal. I'm like, oh, oh, or expected. Like, okay. And then they wanted to know, did you, what else did you change when you upgraded from Monterey to Ventura? Because obviously like it could have been something else. I'm like, that's, they're like, what version of logic are you using? What's this? It's gotta be something else. I'm like, no, guys, I literally rolled that data volume back to Monterey. So nothing is different on one OS. It, it behaves fine on the new OS. It's terrible. And so we'll see what they say. But I don't have that a lot is, of hope that this is going to be fixed. That is fascinating that it breaks it like that. You would think that. Oh, and the question, of course, and I don't know the answer to this, uh, is why? Like what? What changes did they make to core audio to make it better that caused this side effect? Right. Cause I can't imagine that they, they sat down and said, is there a way we can cause a delay? Like, I know they wouldn't do that. Right. You and know, it's got so, a larger buffer. It's not, I don't know. So, it's that it's, it, and they told me what it's doing, which is exactly what you can see it doing. It's that anytime something changes with, in terms of what's touching the audio system, Core audio essentially reboots itself is what's happening. And you can see it happening. That's why this, that's why yeah. the sound stops. That's why the CPU spikes, you know, like you can, that, that makes perfect sense. But why now is it doing that? Whereas previously it was never doing that. Like what's the, what's the good reason for that? And, and we'll see, we'll see if they have an answer, but, uh, but I, I, I was proud that I was able to do this. I, I don't, again, don't that's recommend awesome. it. Yeah. So, you know, if you have any thoughts, feedback at MacGeekUp.com. If you want to tell me I'm crazy for doing that, feedback at MacGeekUp.com. So tell John, uh, tell Dave he's crazy at feedback at MacGeekUp.com. Did I hear you right? Did you say feedback at MacGeekUp.com? That's what I yep. said. And subject, Dave's crazy. Dave's crazy. <laughs> yep. You can tell us on our Discord channel at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord. Everything's monitored these days. Uh... Back to cool stuff found, shall we? Do you guys have any any other other than telling me I'm crazy? Do you have any thoughts about uh, this? Because I, you know, I, I, I would have done it differently if I was at Apple, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Well, I, again, no one chooses to act in a way that's irrational. I, I, like so, the question is, and I may never get an answer to this, by the way. But the question is, why? Why is this change made? Because it would be, you know, maybe there's a good reason for it. Maybe there's a world where I can rethink my audio setup. I mean, I, I think it would be find a way to stop using aggregate devices, but I don't know that that's going to be possible. Um, that would be kind of the trick, but I, I, you know, I don't know. So, uh, I did find some cool stuff found though. So when we're here doing cool stuff found the, um, the folks at 12 South, have uh, have long had the Airfly, which is their uh, adapter that you plug built for those scenarios where you want to use your Bluetooth headphones with the airplane audio. Like if there's a screen on the plane that plays movies or whatever, you want to use your Bluetooth headphones with those. 
the, the only thing that the airplane has is a line out jack. And so the airfly uh, was built to solve that problem. You plug it in, it broadcasts Bluetooth, you connect. Well, now they have the new Airfly SE, which is uh, a little smaller and only 35 bucks now. It's got a volume control with mute on it. Got a little battery life indicator. It'll, it's got 20 hours of battery life. So if you're looking for one of these things, 35 bucks, the, Air, uh, the Airfly SE from 12 South. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's good stuff. Nice. You got one for us, Pete? I do. Uh, so, uh, listener John writes in, and he said, because of some of the applications I use, I often switch back and forth between Mac and Windows. Mm. Windows makes it easy to right-click anywhere and create a quick text file. Not so with a Mac, unless you have found the, and, and here's what I upset Dave with, <laughs> new file menu app. To be more descriptive. Sorry, Dave, that's the name of it. Yeah. New file menu app. I'm always, I'm always, um. <laughs> asking these guys when we're building the agenda, like when you put something in the agenda, especially a cool stuff found, like the name is the next thing. Cause that's what y'all, when you look in the thing are used to seeing. And we link to yeah. that and there's a convention here. We'd like to be right. consistent. And right. so when I saw Pete said, cool stuff found new file menu app, I'm like friggin' awesome Pete, but what's <laughs> the, name? the name of it in? That's right. Thankfully, <laughs> I is. didn't say that out loud because right. you already put the name in. Right. So it is new file menu app. Once installed, a right-click will allow the creation of many different file types, and you can sort through your favorites to the top of the list. The program was updated seven months ago and is working with Ventura 13.2.1, which is now 13.3.1. It works for me there. I tried Automator, JavaScript approach, and an Apple Scripts approach. Both required a hotkey sequence to launch instead of a right-click. So for $1.99 on the App Store, I'm staying with the new file menu app. There is a free version, and I've installed that just to play with it. Uh, you can only select one file type, which is a .txt. But, uh, yeah, so anywhere, just right-click, and you can create a new file right here, right now. And I'm, I'm going to pull down. If I, you know, being a cheap airline pilot, I have to <laughs> save that $1.99 for something more important, right? So, no, I'm going to download the $1.99 version, and it looks like it's really handy to be able to create any new a new file from anywhere yeah and, why has know, it taken 18 years of doing almost 18 years yeah. of doing this show for this to come up because like especially when we started we had a lot of switchers listening right yeah. people that yeah. that were windows folks became got a mac for one reason or another and and like th this was a topic on the show all the time was how do I know how to do this on windows? How do I do this on the Mac? Help me. And then that's, you know, right. part of where the, a lot of you as our audience members came from. One of mine was rename you could, right. early on. You could not rename more than one file at a time. And so right. I created an automator script to do that. And now it's in finder. So. And now it's in finder. Yeah. I like, but I'm shocked that we've like, as soon as, as you're mentioning this, I'm like, yes, I've done this on windows. Uh, why have I never even thought to do it on the Mac? And why doesn't, why, why did a third party need to create this? Why didn't Apple do it? That's fascinating. Yeah. Huh. So they can charge you. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. 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 It yeah. is basic functionality. I wonder, man. I, Apple, just, but Apple has moved to this whole app first paradigm, right? Where you, yeah. you don't just start with where you're going to store the file, which is what this does, right? You mm -hmm. start with. What am I going to use to create the file? And then, you know, I save it to wherever I want to store it. Yeah. So that's I, what I'm just wondering. Is there any kind of a P list or any, uh, 
uh, terminal command way to make this work. But no, because you'd need to literally add it to the contextual menu in the Finder, which which can be done programmatically, and that's ex- yeah. exactly what what they've done. What here. they've done, yeah, yeah. So you need to go into System Settings and, and uh, enable extensions for that once you download the app. But that's it takes you right to it. You click on it. Hey, yeah, open it for me, and yeah, it takes yeah. you right to where you need to go. Um, Mark M, I believe it's Mark M. Yep, in the Discord chat while we're recording here says there is one for 99 cents pete called right click mm-hmm. app so we'll put a link to that in mm-hmm. the show notes too very cool uh because he says it does it says a uh, right click that their their description is right click is the best extension for the finder context menu it allows you to create new files quickly and mm-hmm. easily you just right click in any finder window to create a new file yeah there you go so, so. mark just saved me a buck drinks on me boys <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. All the all the drinks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Save me a dollar. Yeah, yeah. Yavol. All right. What's up next, John? Uh, we got something from Barry. So, if you want a blast from the past, another blast uh, from the past. Barry, wasn't it a listener, Barry, who started us with the uh, modem sounds for this episode? And uh, ah, yes, yes, yeah, fascinating. Double blast. Um, but basically, Barry tells us about something called Muffin Term, which I guess is a terminal emulator. Oh. And you can then use it to connect to old school BBSs. And we have an article that tells you how to find out about those. But, um, like, wait, how is it connecting though? I mean, it's not dialing up. Like, where, where do these BBSs exist? It's got to be an AI. Uh, I think it's doing, uh, Telnet. Okay. But like, how do you find these bulletin boards over Telnet? Like, do they, I'm assuming they exist. So the article that we're, we're pointing to connect to old school BBSs, um, explains how to find BBSs. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we've got a link in the muffin term to connect to them, but, um, got it. But it, yeah, it, fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, and I, you and I were like, you know, the kingpins in our area with our BBSs. Back yeah, well, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, they, you're right. These are these are people, it, like, Muffin Term will let you use Telnet. I wonder if Muffin Term includes Telnet in it, because t- unless you have installed it with Homebrew, Telnet does not exist on... Uh, on Ventura or Monterey, I believe I, it might have gone away even older, you know, really? longer ago than that. So, huh. I, like, I wonder if if when you install Muffin Term, does it bring along its own sort of bundled Telnet thing? Because Telnet's super insecure in that it is all plain text, right? So, I think that's where it got deprecated from Apple's default um, Unix core was was because of that but you can reinstall it with with homebrew if you want so yeah no that's funny because yeah on, on at least on this machine i can run telnet you probably installed it with homebrew probably yeah i mean i use telnet all the time not to connect to telnet servers because i don't know of any uh although this article has some so i maybe i will but uh i use it to test things like if i need to see does a 
web server answer on port 80 or does an SSH server answer on port 22, I'll type in telnet space server IP address space 80. And then it just connects. Now there's, you know, unless you speak HTTP, you're not going to do a whole lot. Um, but it is a nice way to see, does that server answer on that port? At least that's my old school way of thinking. Does my server answer on that port? Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe one of you will tell us a better way to do that with, with Mac OS's built in tools. So, all right. Speaking of keeping things up to date, Mac updater three is now out and um, it adds a few new features. One of them I can't imagine ever using, but uh, they tell us people asked for. So they put it in one is zero click scheduled, fully automatic updates of all of your stuff. Uh, I don't, I I don't want to do that on my Mac. I want to know when I'm updating something. Um, Thankfully, Mac updater will can be configured. And I believe by default is configured to save the uh, old versions of things. So if you have an update that fails, you you have a, a, a simpler path or a path to rolling back. But the other thing it adds is you can install older versions with a little drop-down menu in there, which is kind of cool. So uh, if only you could do that with say an operating system, <laughs> if only you could do that with an operating system, they do have an Apple Silicon migration assistant to help, people move to new Macs and make sure you're downloading the Apple Silicon versions of your, mm. of your apps. If you've got, you know, Intel versions there, it, 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 uh, it does some of that. So yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah. So nice. I, but, but, uh, Mac updater is like to me an indispensable app. It makes life so much easier because I, it, the one problem it solves for me, because what I do is I run it occasionally, probably obsessively. You know, I probably run it a couple times a week, which is more than I need to. But uh, it goes and looks and finds all of the updates for the apps that you have installed. And then you can tell it to go install them. And it, it does, which is amazing. It's great. Where that's really handy is when I go to launch an app that I don't launch all that frequently and I go to launch it because I need to use it. And it says, oh, hey, I'm old. You should update me. And it's like, yeah, but I want to just use you right now. So update later. And a lot of apps don't have the update later functionality right there. So Mac updater keeps me from running into that scenario, which is great. So, nice. yeah, I like it. That's a, that's a key little app. All right. Where are we here? Oh, I, I'll share one more uh, cool stuff found here just because of the timing earth day is uh, is later this week and anchor has their bio based cables in honor of earth day. Well, I mean, really they're just bio based cables. You could use them at, at any time, but, uh, but they, um, they are made with things like uh, corn plant-based materials, corn, sugar cane, and uh, 40% bio based materials are used in the outer sheath. So you can go check those out at Anchor. We love the stuff Anchor makes. So when I see new stuff from Anchor, I'm always kind of eager to see what they've done. They're they're one of those companies that has yet to do wrong by me in terms of creating a a device that's like not both reliable and useful. Big fan of the Anchor stuff. Yeah, they've yeah. got some good products. They do. Yeah, they know what they're doing over yeah. there, which is which is great. Like it's nice to have uh, have some of those. Um, Duke asked a question in, and this is sort of like a question with a cool stuff found baked right in, in, in discord, Duke silver one ninety two 
said, my MacBook Pro M1 Max is discharging really quickly whilst asleep with the lid closed. This has only recently started happening. I saw on a thread about screen time being an issue, so I turned it off and it seemed to sort it. Then a few days later, it started again. I've used Activity Monitor to check 12-hour power impact, and I did notice that the Stream Deck app seems to use loads of energy, even though the actual hardware isn't connected. I've since quit that and tried, but it continues happening. Any ideas would be appreciated. And this was the moment at which my mind was blown because Sarab answered and said, a good app to help debug this is called Sleep Aid. Guys, I'd never heard of Sleep Aid before. This app is awesome. It's from the folks at Ohanaware. And uh, it it like it's magic. It pays attention to the reasons your Mac fell asleep and then offers suggestions as to how to fix what it would call like periods of extended and insomnia, right? I mean, it's normal for a Mac to wake up. Intel Macs will wake up once an hour to do their maintenance. Um, uh, Apple Silicon Macs will wake up three times an hour to do their maintenance. Like that part's normal, but more than that. And it'll tell you the reasons. And certainly you can comb through the terminal and console logs to start to intuit this. I'm assuming that's what they're doing. But boy, howdy. They make it way, way, way easier, and they display it in this calendar view. It's I, I, I went immediately went and downloaded it and started running it, um, and I've, I've got to now put it on my laptop. But it's fascinating. Like I find my 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 M1 Mini in the office. I haven't put it on this computer here yet because you know this computer's been through enough, and I know that things aren't right with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I am gonna have to wipe this and and like build a from scratch. Monterey, like if I didn't say that earlier, I'm definitely going to do that uh, probably before we record the next episode at some point if I have the time. But uh, but certainly for my laptop, having this on there to tell me, is it is it doing stuff that it shouldn't be doing? And if so, what and what can I do about it? And they have some some very specific suggestions about things that you can turn off and turn on. So, yeah, this this was the question that turned itself into a cool stuff found thanks to our discord community. So. Thanks for that, folks. This is I love learning about new stuff. So I can't believe. Did you did John? Did you know? Had you like had you heard about Sleep Aid before? No. There it is. The patent <laughs> patent pending. No. Have you have you? So I, I do remember the good old days, pouring through the console logs to figure out sleep issues. Oh, so yeah. it's nice that somebody brought it together does that for us yeah well like in 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 monterey we were able to like look for i forget what it's called like sleep reason or something uh you know mm -hmm. you could grip the the console log for that and and see what it is it's not sleep reason but you know you, you could look like with pm set or something and it would show you the reasons mm -hmm. for sleep with ventura there's way too many things that intentionally wake our max up for like very brief periods of time that that's a fool's errand unless you can apply the right filters to it, which of course is exactly what, um, what these folks are doing here. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's good. Yeah, And just, and so for the listeners, just a heads up. So Dave did put the link in the show notes and it's at ohanaware.com. You're not going to find it in the app store. It appears unless oh. you want a relaxation, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine that's a fair point. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's ohanaware.com. It's yeah. in the show notes to get that. Exactly. But yeah, if you put in sleep aid in the app store, you're going to wind up with relaxation programs and such. Right. Sleep so, aid for yourself, not yes. for helping not for your, your Mac. Computational device. Right. Yes. Right. 
Uh, listener Joe, and, and there's a, a again a thread in Discord about this, which is worth reading if what I'm about to tell you interests you. But he said, um, for anyone that travels, uh, specifically those who use Mac OS and iOS, uh, he says, for years, uh, I traveled all over the world, managing to carve out a day on a weekend or so to see new places and explore. He says, my biggest problem was how to keep up with the, all the potential places of interest that I had researched without having to tote around a tour book or having to create an elaborate text file to log all of my interests and then sort them. Looking in Mac and iOS app stores didn't seem to have a general solution to this either. I even thought about trying to create my own app for this, but that's a lot of work. For an upcoming trip, he says, I decided to try a different set of parameters in my Google searching and came across the almost ideal solution, Google Maps. Most folks, he says, I think are like me and either use Google Maps or Apple Maps to search and route to a location, but there's no concept of dropping multiple pins unless they are dedicated to a specific route. But it turns out that Google Maps has the solution uh, and it's awesome, he says. He says Google Maps allows one to create custom maps, which can be used for specific trips, places, etc. From the main Google Maps webpage, you select the plus or the, the, the dot, dot, dot menu or something and select saved. And from there, you click maps and create a map at the bottom. This opens a new web page where you can name your map and you can have layers so you can have a layer per city and have all the interest points for that area in that layer. He says, for me, I used the layer to capture from which resource I had gotten my interest points. Oh, fascinating. So I'll leave this out there. But if the idea of solving that problem and capturing places that you want to visit and then having them sort of contextually present themselves because they're going to present themselves when you are in that locale, they're on that map. That's a great thing. Pete, have you like you travel more than than the rest of us? Here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to go back and, and play with this and see how well it works on the on the phone. Yeah. And or the iPad. And that's what that's. Yeah. He says he uses the, the Mac or the iPad to create them, but then you can see them all in the Google Maps app on your phone. So perfect. Uh, no, yeah. that's that's a great idea because. <laughs> yep no i'm blown away by it i never thought about it you know I mean? yeah i was gonna ask have you solved like how have you how if at all have you solved this problem over the years yeah i just <laughs> yeah. i use a lot of yelp and that sort of thing yeah. oh hey where's a good place to eat you know right. okay give me the map to it that sort of thing and because you're limited to within a couple miles of the hotel generally speaking unless sure. you're going to grab an uber or a bus service or something but uh no this this sounds brilliant and i bet integrates really well with the local mass transit systems right 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 oh yeah because it's google maps yeah of course yeah 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 yeah. cool all right john what's next here now maybe some real questions yeah yeah let's go to larry um and larry says i have a very large hero network and i'm attaching a screenshot of my network thank you uh basically i have an old house with brick chimneys and plaster walls and all these arrows um, have given me what I want, which is Wi-Fi everywhere, and it's quite seamless. I've been very happy, and none of this has been a problem. Lately, I've had a problem with an M1 Mac Mini that is attached to one of the Eero Pros. It attaches fine, but it doesn't show that it can access the Internet. Now, next to the Mac Mini is a HomePod Mini that is attached to the very same Eero Pro, and while the Mini shows no Internet access... The HomePod Mini is merely playing music for me. 
The Mac Mini is on 13.3.1, and all the Wi-Fi settings are defaults to the best of my knowledge. None of this makes any sense. One device can't access the Internet, and the other does. And they are on the same Aero network and same desk within inches of each other. Uh, I have tried rebooting both the Mac and the Eero to no good effect. Is the Eero defective? Any thoughts? Huh. Interesting. <sighs> I mean, the only thought I have with problems like this, Dave, is <laughs> turn it off and on again. So um, with the Eero, what you can do, I mean, the only the only thing I could think of, Dave... And I don't think I've ever had to do this, but I have the first generation arrows. Um, but if uh, in the arrow app you go to home, then the arrow name advanced, there's a restart. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so that's a good place to start. I, like, I, 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 yeah. yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with that. It, to me, assuming that doesn't work, and of course it, it may well work, uh, but assuming it doesn't, I would. My, my thinking would jump to, okay, what is it about that Mac? And if the Mac says that it's connecting to the Wi-Fi network, I think we should believe it for now. Mm. Uh, and we should look in the Eero app and see what does Eero think? Does Eero see that Mac connected? And I know you've got a lot of devices and you're going to have to scroll around and find it. But what does it say about it? And is it perhaps somehow blocked, right? Because... There, there, or um, what IP address is it assigning it? Is there something like is somehow that IP address being shared with another device? And so your Mac can't talk. Maybe try setting your Mac manually, either with a DHCP reservation or just literally on your Mac to not use DHCP and connect to a different, you know, use a different IP address that can get super convoluted if for the same reason, like you start, start getting things with the same IP address crashing into each other. That's bad. Like that would be, I would look at why, you know, what is the, what is the max, uh, IP address. And one thing to test, I'm just jumping all over the place here, but, uh, is turn the Mac off, right? Disconnect it or it, just disconnect it from Wi-Fi. So the Mac doesn't think it's connected. Then go to another computer and ping the IP address of that Mac, right? And see. Does it answer? Oh, right. Because if it does, that tells you something. Because <laughs> something's answering who and why would be an interesting uh, exercise for the uh, for the listener. And there are some good network scanners out there to tell you what fair. Right. What what that what's at that IP address. Right. So yeah. At least gives you a MAC address and then you can reverse look up. Hey, who made this? Yeah, what, right. Who made this MAC address. What's the yeah. Who who does this belong? What vendor does this belong to? I don't know that like that's where my brain goes to troubleshoot this stuff is mm -hmm. is yeah, that kind of thing. I don't know. Like, I don't no, I'm with you. Uh, looking at the looking at the devices in the Eero app can be helpful because, yeah, as you pointed out, you can block right IP addresses, and maybe you inadvertently did this at one point. So, yeah, looking at the status of the devices in the Eero app. And Pete, I like your suggestion too. Um, I like Thing for scanning a network yeah. when I can't find things. <laughs> yeah. So it's very good. Uh, Thing is very good at mapping things and showing you the the status of them. So that that would be another suggestion. Yep. 
Yep. And I think you can download the fi- you don't need like the hardware to do the network scanning. You can you can mm-hmm. just, you know, download it. Um download the app and and yeah, check it out. I I love the Fing app. I use it when I'm at uh like a new club where I'm playing music. And most clubs these days use uh digital mixers which let you remote control like i I get to control what what monitor mix is sent to my in-ear monitors and but a lot of times the engineer won't know the ip address of the board off the top of their head and it's it's always a negotiation with the engineer it's like hey you know i i I walk in i try to be helpful first I, i tell them things like hey here's a thing i know about our band that would be helpful for you to know as you're setting up and I stay out of their way while I'm like setting up my drums. And then it's like, oh, hey, what mixture do you use? Okay, cool. And we 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 buddy buddy up. Then it's like, hey, can I use my iPad to control my ears? Oh, sure. Fine. Great. Do you have the app? The answer is always yes, because I've always I've put all the apps on my iPad. But then having to ask them, what's the IP address of the mixer? It stops them in their tracks if they don't know it, because they have to go all the way back to the mixer and like scroll through three pages and look it up and all that stuff. And so I will ask them, do you know the IP address of the mixer? And if they say no, uh, you know, I'll kind of be like, okay, don't worry about it. And that's when I launched the Fing app because I've connected to the Wi-Fi. They have to give me the password for that. There's no way around it. Uh, but once I've connected, I can scan. And I mean, there's usually, you know, one other device on the Wi-Fi or two, their iPad and the mixer. So easy way to find it. There you go. Yeah. I like the Fing that's app. Awesome. It is good. It is good. Uh, Phil. No. Jay Brinner is next up. And asks the question, I have an external drive on a Ventura Mac Mini, and the drive is shared. The drive shows normally on the Mac Mini. When connecting it, at, when connecting to it as a share from a different computer, it shows normal drive name and normal drive name too. And it will allow me to connect to either. So this is, this is one of those weird ones. Um, I'm curious if it's happening on all computers or just one usually when this happens it's because in the uh on the mac that is connecting to it when when you mount a drive i think it's important to understand how this works with unix which the mac os is when you mount a another drive it attaches that to a folder it's a blank empty folder that then that new resource is attached to, right? And and you can actually attach it to anywhere you want. This goes back to the old Unix days where you would want a separate drive for swap. And so you would mount that at slash swap or slash temp or something like that. And, uh, and so the, um, when Mac OS mounts a drive, it doesn't want to ask you where you want to put it. And so it puts it at slash volumes, with a capital V uh, slash the name of the drive. Unless the name of the drive already has a folder there. And if it does, then it is slash volume slash the name of the drive two. And if there's already a two there, then it's slash volume slash the name of the drive three. You get my point. This is why this happens even when you're just connecting an external drive to your uh, to your Mac, right? Because that, like that's that's how it works. So I, like that's where I would look first is to make sure First on the Macs that it's connecting that are connecting to it, I would look in the volumes folder and see are these there. I would eject the the drive, disconnect from the drive, and then go into the volumes folder and clear out 
Uh, check the folders to make sure they're not empty because it's possible something saved something there that thought it was saving over to the other drive, but because the drive wasn't connected, it saved it locally on your hard drive. That could be the uh, that could be the issue. So check that out. But uh, but then go look at it even on the Mac that's sharing it. I would think like it seems weird that it would advertise it right, John, as as a uh, as a a thing. Like I don't know. Right. Yeah. Thoughts, Mr. Braun. Um, maybe John's muted. Oh, he's back. I've, <laughs> no, I've been I've been having a similar issue. Um, okay. I'm looking on my phone right now. Yep. And I see. So I got iPhone 12 mini entertainment room, entertainment room, and, and then iPad four. Oh, and it's like, why did that happen? So the name of your iPad on the network has has been incrementally or numerically yes. increased. Yeah, and that usually will happen when a device goes to register itself and uh, and sees there's a device on the network already with that name. So there was already mm-hmm. an iPad Mini, and so it was like iPad Mini two, and then something else said there's already iPad Mini two, and so yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Usually you can like in order to change for you, John, for your scenario to change that back, you would go to the iPad mini and go into like uh, settings general and about or something in there. And that's where you yes. would change that name. So just for anybody who's seen. Yeah. That, and that's you know. what I've done in the past. Uh, yeah. Whatever my Macs have done the same thing. It's like, oh, well, let me, let me go and change your name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, we got we got time for uh, for one more. You want to take us to Phil, John? Uh, Since that's what's next, I know I tried to jump there earlier, but you know. All right, hold on. Let me get Phil up here. All right, well, I'm going to rant about something then because years ago I used to be able to in the car while driving, and I I have vivid memories of this. As does Lisa. We drove one time from L.A. to Tahoe. And uh, L.A. is basically sea level and Tahoe is, at, you know, like 6,000 feet or something. And uh, I remember driving in the car up that highway that drives in California that drives through like the land where the sun bakes you uh, and noticing that, you know, our ears were popping and all of that good stuff. And I remember driving along and being like, hey, I wonder if Siri can tell me my elevation. And so I asked her, what's my elevation? And she told me. And so we did this every few minutes, maybe every 10 minutes for, for quite some time, just, you know, out of curiosity, like, where are we? What's our elevation? And uh, I've tried doing that recently and it does not work anymore. It says, I can't show you that information while you are driving. And it's like, I, that's great. I don't want you to show it to me. I want me. you to tell me. Like, use your words. <laughs> use your words, Siri. That's it. There's the title of the show. I knew we were going to get there. Use your words, Siri. Like, why does it not? Like, what? Why? Why? You know, if Apple put half the energy into the S lady that they do into their magic behind the camera. Oh, yeah. Then the Google Assistant and the A Lady would all be in the smoke behind us. Well, I mean, they're all going to be smoke or adapted yeah. 
in a yeah. in, within a year because of of AI, right? Like, but yeah. but but yeah. Siri's definitely the worst in terms of like getting her to share information audibly. Yeah, she wants to share it vividly. Yeah, I know I'm driving. I know That's why I asked you using my words. <laughs> yeah, I asked using words. I like, and this is one of the things that I really like about the A Lady is. Now there's a, a a visual component, like there's a lady devices with screens and there have been for years, but it's start was as an audio only device. It had a microphone, actually had a set of microphones on it, of course, and a speaker. That's it. So it was forced to answer audibly, not vidibly. This is, this needs to be a word. <laughs> Why is vidibly not a word? Uh, we have audio, we have video anyway. I don't know. Like, uh, like, yeah, what, but Siri's going to need to get, they're all going to need to get way better real fast. And I think that the tech is there for that to happen. So I'm really curious to see what comes out at WWDC and uh, like in terms of what Apple's doing with Siri in the next thing. So maybe someday again, Siri will be able to tell me using her words, my current elevation. That's all I want. Actually, I use... What do I use when I need to do that? There's an app on my watch. I think it's called Elevation. Yeah. But um, like, I just want it to tell me. I don't like this is it's a it's a very yeah. concrete piece of information. It doesn't need to interpret anything. I can launch the Compass app on my phone and see it. Yeah. I, I just like I know Siri can know it because she used to be able to know it. It's on the watch. It's called Altitude. It might only be for the Ultra. For us ultra oh, folks. Oh, yeah, Mr. Ultra. But it's called altitude. There. Yeah. And then there's GPS tracks, which is on the phone, and that'll yeah. also tell you your altitude. Yeah, but like but, the compass app on the yeah. phone will tell you. So, like, the right. phone knows it, yeah. it natively. Yeah. Know, man. Are you ready uh, to tell us about Phil's question, John? Um, I guess. Okay. So here we go. Um, Phil says, lately on my MacBook Pro with 8 gigs of RAM, whenever I play a YouTube video in Safari, the fans kick on and sound like they're running at max speed. Mm -hmm. I've been there. (laughs) Um, From my iStat toolbar, the CPU seems to be running at 180 degrees. Okay, that sounds about right. Um, I have replaced the battery once already on this machine and am fascinated by the idea of uh, an Apple Silicon machine. Uh, I work at a nonprofit of they, they've given me to use a 2019 15 inch MacBook pro, which is nice for the bigger screen, but the battery life still sucks. And I hate the touch toolbar. <laughs> um, I have seen videos lately, uh, especially from Luke Miani and everyday dad. Okay. Um, about the, uh, about the value now with the base 14-inch Pro for me, either third-party reseller or Apple cart refurb. Certified uh, refurb. Apple certified refurb. Um, I realize it will be overkill for what I use it for, but I'm also considering how long I keep machines in rotation, um, such as mine and my wife is uh, running a 2012 MacBook Pro with internal DVD drive. Wow. Uh, I also like the idea of a it bigger screen real estate versus getting a new Air or 13-inch MacBook Pro. Also, if something is announced at WWDC in turn of chips or new models, do you think that there will be a price drop on the refurb store of the M1 Pro 14-inch? My current Retina still works, but getting long in the tooth. Um, I can update it to the latest and greatest. Battery life is getting bad again, and I feel that even though the M1 is the first-gen 
of Apple Silicon and will be supported longer than any Intel models. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, I've been pondering the same thing, Dave, honestly. So I have the uh, MacBook Pro 16-inch 2019. Yep. And the battery life, even after repair, still stinks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's only like two hours. So I, I, I feel for you. Um, and also my machine, the fans do spin up for video tasks. So, I mean, my thought is I would get a refurb. Yeah. And I've been looking at them. Okay. But haven't, haven't made the leap yet. Haven't pulled the trigger, um, so to speak. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did see one the other day. I think it was it, it it was ridiculously overpowered for what I need. I think it was a refurb more power. More power. Yeah, got to have yeah. more. No, power. I think it had um so it was an M1. Um I think it had 16 gigs of RAM or an, no, maybe wait, 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 start start from the top. An M1 what kind of computer? MacBook Air, uh, MacBook, MacBook Pro. MacBook Pro. What size screen? Uh I think it was the 14. Uh, okay. I don't think you can get a 14 with an M one though. Like I, th- like, cause I, I would, I would, um, M2 but make, now, right? M- no, is that right? They went right to, huh? Can you get a 14? Yeah, you should yeah, the, be able to. Sure. The MacBook pro 14 inches M two pro or M two max, right? Yeah. Oh, maybe you're That's talking the about the, yeah, the 14 inch ones are, yeah. if you want the 13 inch. Oh no, you can get, Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You can get a 14-inch MacBook Pro on the refurb store with an M1. I'm just, I'm looking here on the store now. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. And Phil actually got back to me and said, I ordered the refurb M1 Pro 14-inch, and it'll be here <laughs> today. Go. Got it. There you go. That's it. Um, For those wondering if they should make the jump or not, all I can say is the battery life alone is astounding. Am I right, Dave? Oh, or am I right? it, it, cha- it changes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Management. It'll go all day. On a, yeah. On, unless you're doing something really intense. Yeah, unless you got something bad. wrong, in which case you run sleep aid and it'll help yeah. you help you figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but no, seriously, like it's it's great. I would it, if I I mean, I'm looking here on the on the store, especially in the refurbs, I would I would very much lean towards the M2 based um, machines. I, I was looking on Geekbench the other day. And the M2 chip is significantly faster than the uh, M1 Pro. So if you're going to mm. bother to do it, I, I would I like that's where I lean is is yeah. the the M2 Which chip. Which is amazing because the M1 smokes the Intel chip. Oh, like, leaves it in the yeah. dust like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Going from Intel, you're probably not going to notice notice a difference between the M1 Pro and the M2, but um, but there is a difference. And if if you keep your machines for a while, which I know you do. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would lean towards the M2, but you know, with the MacBook pro, you're forced to go M2 pro or M2 max. You can't just get like a straight up M2 mm. like you can in the air. So we're going to see an M3 in June. I, th- I think they're saying the M3 is like fall. Okay. Um, I, I believe well, they would announce it at WWDC though, right? In June. 
Um, maybe, maybe, maybe it's hard to say, man, like, cause they don't need to prepare developers for that necessarily. Like with, when Apple Silicon was first announced, yes, they needed to sort of prep all of us, including developers for, Hey, well, guess what? Everything just changed, you know, or is about (laughs) to like moving iterations of a processor. There's certain developers that would be able to tweak for it and, Apple would reach out to them privately, generally speaking. I mean, I, I can't say what Apple is doing. I can only look at what Apple has done. But that, that would be my guess is we won't we won't see the announcement until until it's out, you know, until we can like order sure. it or, or pre-order it or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I like I would say take a look at Geekbench and and do some comparisons because you might find that you want to go with the the you know, the, the, the M2 it's browser.geekbench.com. Let me look. So like the, uh, I was looking at the multi-core scores because that's an easier way to test, but like, you know, you can do the, the M2 max. Uh, let's look at single cores. It's fine. Yeah. The M2 max comes in at the top. No great surprise. The M2 pro right below that. Um, and then the M2, right. And, and then the, you know, the M1 max is maybe 15% slower than that. And that's the max. Um, so, you know, the M1 pro is, is down another 10% from there. So I'll, I'll put this link, uh, the Mac benchmarks link from Geekbench in the show notes so that you can all make your decisions. But yeah, I was looking at a, um, potentially a Mac mini for the studio here, but, but if I don't want to run Ventura, uh, then that might, I, like, I don't know. Can I buy a Mac mini and roll? Like, I know it used to be able to run Monterey, but if I buy one today, will it be able to run Monterey? Like there's been mm-hmm. some weirdness with that at times. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I got to figure that out. I mean, I can always just like, you know, send it back if it doesn't. That work mini is such an underrated machine. I think, oh, especially the upgraded one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like it, it, there for me. I, I there's no reason to get a Mac Studio, uh, the, right? Like, except except for the bragging rights. Other than that, right? Just, right? Exactly. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yes, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the bragging rights for sure. But otherwise, no. Like that, you know, it's got the M2 chip. It's like so. I don't know. I like that yeah. would be my thought. Was would be, you know, M1 is what three-year-old technology now yeah I, right yeah, like i mean yeah. two and a half it mike Lerman makes a comment he says if it wasn't apple killing support for the intel my six quarter mac mini was fast enough for me i just got my mac mini pro with 16 gigs of ram and i guarantee that thing is smoking it that's yeah. why look i bought my macbook pro 13 inch with the m1 because i had the 2019 uh 16-inch MacBook Pro with the Intel processor, and my nephew came in with his little MacBook Air and the M1, and he smoked me, and I went, oh, man, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the difference, it, you're right. Like, you're, I'm sure your machine is, your your Intel machine, I mean, I've got an Intel machine in front of me here. I, yeah. You know, it's powerful enough uh, where it really makes a difference is in the, the portable machines and battery life. Like, there, you know, there's a reason there was no Intel based iPhone or iPad, right? Like it it, it just wouldn't have worked. And, and so now that we have that tech available to us for our, 
our laptops. Like to me, that's the big difference is the power consumption. And, and that of course makes a difference in terms of the fans and all of that. But, yeah. but the battery life is, is sort of the, the, you know, the leader there. So. And now it runs everything natively across all machines. Right. No more translational. Right. Right. As long as you're running native oh, stuff. Yeah. Hey, speaking of parallels now runs windows 11. Uh, and it turns out that was Apple's decision to go that route as opposed to the boot camp route. So, go figure. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Always fun. Good stuffs. Yeah. Good stuffs. Cool stuffs. Good questions. And we've got another hangout coming up in two weeks. You mentioned hey, it earlier. No, a hangout coming up on Sunday. Because oh, this, this Sunday. show That's comes right. out yeah, on the Sunday. 17th, Pete. That's correct. Yep. 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 Uh, so, yeah, come hang out with us on Sunday. Thank you for the reminder. Thanks for listening. Thanks for providing all the bandwidth. Folks at Cashfly, we appreciate that. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts that uh, that we do. I do two others. I do one called Business Brain for Entrepreneurs, Gig Gab for Working Musicians. Pete does one called So There I Was for Aviation Enthusiasts and People Interested in Simply Good Stories. Make sure to check out our sponsors, MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. Uh, the ones we mentioned in the episode, of course, Notion. Dot, I want to make sure I get the thing right. Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. I knew there was something special about it. Uh, and BB Edit from Barebones.com. Dave, you stole my shirt. I did steal your shirt. I'm the laundry thief, man. I've got a bunch of socks that you might need, too. Oh, that's where they went. <laughs> What's it say on my shirt again? Don't get caught. Made on a Mac. It sure does.